Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast, episode 13. Lucky number 13. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and alongside me, as always, is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you? I am doing great, and per usual, we got a great show. NBA playoffs is about to pop off. NHL playoffs. The picture is clearer starting tonight. The what do you got? The MLB, which we love. The Yankees, the Mets, Shohei Otani, the whole nine yards, and a little bit of what does Anthony know about sports? Hockey playoffs, Andrew. Do you believe it? Devils are in. Rangers fire Vigneault. Are you kidding me? Let's get right into hockey. I love hockey. Whoa, whoa, hockey whoa, goes. whoa. We do one segment on hockey. Now you come in pumping here. You want to start the whole show with hockey. We're going to go to your, I guess now, second favorite place in the world, Anthony, and that's the NBA hardwood first. Andrew, I can't believe it. It's finally here. 82-game season. For some teams, it's down to one. For some teams like the Knicks, they've been playing golf for three months now. But I think we're starting to see a little bit clear the playoff picture. I know it's still a little muddled. Some teams seating-wise are still a little up in the air. But I want to start in the East first. And do you believe in the process, Andrew? Yes. They are legit. I think that they are slowly... This might be a major overstatement on Wednesday morning, but I think that they are slowly becoming the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I was, that was the question. Are you in my mind? It, because it's true, though. Because anybody Even without Embiid, yes, right now, only because they've proven that in the last five or six games without Joel Embiid, they could still win and play at a high level. That's what scares me about the Sixers. Is they can now, they've now proven that they could probably beat anybody in the first round. And as the standings are currently constituted, they would be playing the Milwaukee Bucks in their first round matchup. However, with one or two games remaining on each team's schedule, there's a lot that can change because how tight the Eastern Conference is. But either way, as it stands, they could be playing the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe they could beat the Bucks or any other team in the 6-7-8 slot, for that matter, without Embiid, and then the likelihood of getting him back in the second round just makes them that much more dangerous. That's going to be a fun matchup. The Freak versus Ben Simmons. Well, don't you believe that there are so many great players on so many teams right now that you could see, for the first time in a long time in the NBA, a lot of upsets in the first round? Who doesn't love upsets, Andrew? I mean, that's what hockey playoffs are based off of, if you think about it. Oh, easy with the hockey talk. That's, that's what makes it so exciting. But yes, we will stay on the basketball. But if you go down the list, Raptors, great players, Celtics, 76ers, Cavs, Pacers, Bucks, Heat, Wizards. You really look at the Heat and you say, you don't really have a superstar on that team. But other than that, the other seven teams listed right there have what you would consider a superstar or a top 15 player in the NBA. That's why I think you're going to see some nuttiness. Who do the Pacers have? Victor Oladipo. He's not a top 15. You don't think he's top 15 this year in the league? No. 
Top 20 is lucky. Either way, top 20, top 25 even, there's still a guy on that team that can carry the team. There's still a guy on the Wizards, even though we have to prove it, and John Wall and Bradley Beal that can carry a team. You look at the Wizards right now, they're in the 8th slot. The Toronto Raptors might have to play John Wall and Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards in the first round of the playoffs. Does that mean they're going to win? Probably, because the Wizards and every other Washington team, as I always say, finds a way to choke in the playoffs. But I think that's what's so intriguing going into this year's playoffs. I'm still going to rock with my dude, King James. Give me Cleveland. I watched them steamroll over the Knicks last night, which is a joke of a franchise. But you see, I mean, you can't count Cleveland out, Andrew. I hate to say it. I, you know, I don't openly like to root for LeBron. Being a Knicks fan, hating the fact that he'll never come to New York, even though we have that dumb billboard outside at Madison Square Garden. But I just think that it's still the East runs through him, regardless of what Philadelphia is doing right now. Fourteen game winning streak, not too shabby. I think Ben Simmons has had sixteen straight triple doubles in that time. Taking a page right out of Russell Westbrook's book. He's averaging this year. Listen to this stat line for the quote unquote rookie. And I, and I obviously throw my quotes up there because, as you know, Ben Simmons was drafted last year but is playing his first season in the NBA this season. Either way, 16 points per game, 8.1 rebounds per game, and 8.2 assists per game. That is a very impressive stat line for a guy playing his first 82-game season who started his first full year with a serious injury. Dude is scary. Six foot ten. Got handles like Magic Johnson. Sees the entire court. Dishes the ball. Can't shoot a lick, though. That's for sure. He's got an ugly jump shot. Kind of looks like Anthony Rinaldi out there at Purple Squad. Oh. But, I, you know, I just I don't think Philadelphia is, is legit. I know they're playing well right now, and you obviously want to go into the playoffs with momentum. 14-game winning streaks. Not, I'd call that momentum. And the train's on the tracks, butthead. Shout out, Major League Baseball. You're right, though. Is that... It really does go through LeBron, no matter how many people or how many teams, excuse me, start winning and playing very well going into the playoffs. Because at the end of the day, we've probably seen this. If you went back and looked for the last eight years that LeBron's made it to the finals, right? Between Miami and Cleveland. Hold on, that's a stupid stat line right there. Last eight years. I know. Straight to the final. The fact that you could say that regularly and, and it's true and no one questions it because everybody in America knows it's true is mind-blowing. Either way. If this dude doesn't make the finals, he, it's, it's like a bum year. But this is that's my point. So you could go back and look at, at the course of that eight years of history in the NBA and you could probably look at a bunch of teams that streaked going into the playoffs, and we, guys like us, as you say, talking heads like us, we're on ESPN or WFAN or whatever radio station they're listening to, are probably sitting there going, this is the year, LeBron's not going to the finals, this is the year, and then somehow, every year, in April, May, and early June, he finds a way to get his team to the finals and put himself into contention to win another championship. LeBron versus the field, you took the field, how you... How confident do you feel in your field? The last two weeks has made me a lot more confident. I'm not going to lie. I think I just spoke with my heart when I made that bet just because I don't want LeBron so badly to be in the finals again because I just want to see somebody else in the finals, which brings me to the next point. This could be the highest percentage year in the last 
four or five years that you don't get Golden State and Cleveland in the finals. True, Bob. Right. Because Golden State's banged up. Right now, as it stands, they would be playing Oklahoma City in the first round of the playoffs, which is the last team you want to play without Steph Curry in your lineup in the first round of the playoffs. A lot can change. Yeah, banged up. You don't want to see it juiced up. Russell Westbrook. The last thing you want Paul is to George see Russell Westbrook. Is, always, always makes that dagger shot. Mellow's a bum. And, and the thing, though, is you could see Paul George and Russell Westbrook beating Golden State almost single-handedly in the first round. Or, let me change that statement. It wouldn't surprise you if you saw them two beat Golden State. Andrew, 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 Andrew. Let me ask you this question. Burning question. I died to ask you since I walked into our studio. Give it to me. It was actually on the radio debate yesterday a little bit. I believe with your boy Screaming A. Smith. Who has more pressure since it's almost set? With the playoff picture in the West. The eight seed still up in the air. It's one game on Wednesday. Teaser, teaser, teaser alert. Who's got more pressure right now? Durant? Because it looks like he'll be playing Westbrook. Or James Harden in the Rockets. Because you know that team has not had much playoff success. Even though they're playing a pretty weak eight, eight squad. Either Minnesota or the Nuggets. I'm going to go with James Harden and the Rockets. And the reason being, Golden State's won two titles in three years. That team has gotten their championships. They know that for the last three seasons, they've been the best team in the NBA. It's been them and everybody else. They also know that this has been the most roller coaster season in the tenure of Steve Kerr. And essentially, since they've had that big three of Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry together. Take KD out of the equation because obviously he just joined last season. So I'm going to go with the Rockets because there's no pressure on Golden State. They know they're the best team. They know that they're injured. But at the end of the day, they know that they have five or six guys on their sidelines that have won before and they've been there. Whether their bench depth is good or not or has experience or not, at the end of the day, across the side to the Houston Rockets, they're... Playoff experience deep in the playoffs is none. None. Chris Paul has never been to a conference finals. James Harden, yeah, he's been to a finals before, but he wasn't the guy. He was the third guy in the three-headed monster of Westbrook and Durant. Last year, we saw Harden try and carry his team to the finals, and you saw one of the worst performances in the last game of the season you've ever seen. So at the end of the day, until the Houston Rockets, Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella, the rest of the group prove to me they know how to win the big games in the playoffs, the pressure will always be on them in my eyes. Speaking of your boy, Russell Westbrook, 18 rebounds last night and a big win to, to basically secure one of the seeds in the, the, East, the Western Conference. It was playoffs. huge. They beat the Miami Heat 115-93, to 93, and I hated it. Carmelo came out like two weeks ago and guaranteed we were going to be in the playoffs, and all of a sudden we lost like two straight. Nothing kills me more than that. Just go about your business. Don't say anything. Just go. I love the confidence. Just go about your business. But either way, it was a big win for the Thunder. The only thing that scares me, and I'll take the other side of the coin here. Yeah, do I believe they could beat Golden State? But I've said this to you numerous times on this show. The only thing I didn't want from the Thunder was to find a way to end up in the 7 or 8 seed. Now, they're 47 and 34. And if you take a look at the standings, 
San Antonio's in the sixth seed at 47 and 34. New Orleans is at 47 and 34 in the five seed, and Utah's at 47 and 33 in the four seed. So Utah has two games remaining. Everybody else, Pelicans, Spurs, and Thunder, have one game remaining. The Timberwolves and the Nuggets in the eight and the nine also have one game remaining at 46 and 35. So there is a real chance that the Oklahoma City Thunder could actually end up being in either the four or the five seed, which would be huge. Because again, for me, at the end of the day, it comes down to avoiding one of those two top teams in the Western Conference in the first round of the playoffs. I got a question for you. He needed to average, he needed to get 34 rebounds to average a triple double for the second straight season. That was in his last three games, correct? If he had. No, two, his last two games. Last two, last two. And he'll, he'll be the only man on the earth to have done that feat, Andrew. Two straight seasons averaging a triple double, which is absurd when you think about it. So he needs 16. Against Memphis tonight. Tonight. So he needs 16 tonight. 16, you know he's going to get every single rebound. You think he does? 100%. He needed. 34 going into it. Ironically, he got 18 last night. Come That's on. pretty funny. And you know... You know he wants it. Yeah, because... Only guy to ever average two triple-doubles. Come on. For, for two seasons back-to-back. And now your boy Ben Simmons has 16 games. Looks like he may be, he may be trying to carry the torch of the triple-double machine. O- overstatement of the year. Tell me. Yes or no. If Russell Westbrook gets a championship, and I don't know how long he plays for, but let's just say he keeps up the maybe it's not a triple double every year, but it's just his his consistency of play. Let's call that okay. The way he plays, the energy he plays with, the passion he plays with. If Russell Westbrook does that and gets a championship, Anthony Rinaldi, do you think we could be watching arguably the best point guard in the NBA history? Wow. I know it's big. I know that might be a slight overstatement. I need time to think about that. But best the argument is real. If he gets a championship, I mean, with the numbers he puts up, hard to argue. Because it's arguable. the only argument, and it's funny, I, I bring up the point, but I'll make the argument on the other side, is Magic Johnson won multiple. And Magic Johnson was a pioneer in his sport at the time. Like, the way Magic Johnson played back in the day, why? that's why he was so special. He was like something no one's ever seen before. Like, he could do stuff on the floor that no one had ever seen before. And I, I tell me if I'm wrong, a lot of people believe Magic Johnson is, if not number one, the top three greatest point guard of all time. I look at the way Russell Westbrook's starting to change the game and the way he plays on a nightly basis and what he's done, specifically in the last three years, really, the last year with KD and the two without KD. And you look at it, and you're, I'm saying to myself, for 82 games every single year, this guy brings this energy, brings this effort, Brings this type of talent, and there's no quit at all. But the problem missing on his resume, as everybody talks about, is the championships. And I don't want to start or continue the argument of do you need a ring to validate your play on the field? There are numerous guys, Dan Marino, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. Lots of these guys, studs, don't have rings you know, to claim for their name. You know, Dudes like Bill Russell got 11. Not taking anything away from that. But it, Russell Westbrook's motor is unbelievable. And the fact that this dude can literally run at 110%, 48 minutes, 82 games a year, averaging a triple-double. I mean, he carries the thunder. He, he, whatever he does on the court is, 
however the Thunder's going to go. But I don't know, man. I, I, best point guard? I mean, It's yeah, a great argument, though, it right? It really is. I, I mean, it's legit. Probably my, yeah, my, like watching from my, like my generation-wise, I would say he's definitely one of the top PGs in the league. But wow, I didn't really, I, you know, I need to break down. You think he's up there with AI, Stockton? Well, again, I guess... All the favors. Re- really, what you do is you decide what your parameters are. Because if you're the type of person, and you just made the point, if you're the type of person that goes into it saying, well... I think they have to win championships, or I think it has to be multiple. If I'm looking at this guy, he's got multiple championships, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's only got one, well, that guy obviously takes the cake because he's got multiple. Or are you the, and I call it the reasonable person, the logical person, because no one realizes, people realize it, but I think when people make that argument about having a championship, they don't realize how hard sports are, how hard professional sports are. And let me remind you, you don't play defense with only one guy. You play defense with five. So you could be the best player in the world. And I know the argument is made that if you're that good in the NBA, you should be able to carry your team to a championship. I don't care how good you are. LeBron James is three and five in the finals. Not because LeBron James isn't the best player in the world or because he didn't show up in the finals. It's because his team around him wasn't good enough to beat the team that they were playing across the floor. You have to be able to play D. You have to be able to spread the floor. Hey, you score 100 points. Even if LeBron is on fire, even if Kobe scores 81, someone still has to score 19 for you to still find a way to win that game. So the championship argument to me is obsolete because I want to look at the whole body of work. And the last thing I look at, and maybe I'm a little bit different here, but I love seeing how they changed the game. Did you come in, and I call them video game players. Are you a video game player where you come in and I can create you on the screen, or are you that type of dude that's so different, that has a different type of game, this is why I talk about Russell Westbrook, where when your name gets said, it's a completely different category, the way you play, than everybody else. That's what I look at. To me, that's what Hall of Famers do. I agree with you 100%. I want to see Russell Westbrook carry an OKC, which he's going to have to do. To the Western Conference Finals. What he, he went there? What once with Durant? He went there once with Durant, and he, no, he went there twice with Durant. Once was to the finals, and another time they lost in the Western Conference. And then in 2014 and 15, I believe this is the third straight year for the Thunder in the playoffs, and not many people realize this. In Scott Brooks last year, and I believe it was 14 and 15, Durant was injured majority of that year. The Thunder didn't even make the playoffs that year. I believe they were 47-35 and 35 that year. They finished in the ninth spot. So if you think about it, year without Durant, last year with Durant, they blow a 3-1 lead with Golden State, then against Golden State in the, final, in the conference finals. Then Durant leaves and goes to Golden State. Russell carries the team to the playoffs. They lose in the first round, obviously. They didn't really have a chance last year. And now in your fourth year removed from not making the playoffs, you're... Second, third year removed from not having Kevin Durant anymore, you're looking at it and you're going, we actually have a legit team that can go and compete. And I think that is the best part about this scenario for the Thunder. And Paul George also came out and said the other day that he could see himself playing here. That is an interesting little nugget there from Paul George because I always, he always thought he may go back home to L.A. 
and kind of form a super team over there, like we talked about last week or two, two episodes ago. But he's being he's being logical. He's one saying he's he's not going to really obviously hardcore think about it until the end of the year, which is which is very smart. I mean, I think that's for any player. Bryce Harper did the same thing in baseball the other day. He essentially said, if you want to, you can go. If you want to talk about 2019, you can go ahead and call Scott Boris, my agent, and get an idea from him. So a lot of these players, Paul George included, it's going to be a big time free agent class in this offseason ant for basketball. And so is the following year. The next two years for basketball and, and baseball, we can get into that a little bit later, obviously. We have plenty of time for baseball. But in the next two years, there could be a lot of crazy change in the NBA. Hopefully the Knicks open their eyes and figure something out and get one of these free agents. But I always figure, I mean, you got to think about Paul George, if he heads over to L.A., that's a huge that's a huge property tax hit over there in California. I don't think Oklahoma even has a property state tax. You know what's funny is I've heard a lot of that conversation recently. Um, I'm from, not a tax guy, so please don't ask. From different people, though, about why guys choose different teams um, or, or whatever the case is because certain states and the taxes that they're going to get on the amount of money they make really does have a, a factor into it. And I agree with that, though. But also, we talked about this last week, too. It's also the marketability. You can get yourself marketed in all 50 states now. It does not matter where you play. So, Andrew, let me ask you. Tell me what you're thinking about. NBA. Give me the NBA Final Four. Give me the Western Conference and Eastern Conference matchup that you, that you want to see or you believe in your heart of hearts it's going to come down to. This is going to be... Because I have a little nugget here I want to talk to you about. This is going to be really hard because of how juggled the standings are right now. And I'm taking a shot in the dark here. And because things could change, obviously, based on matchups. But just to answer the question. So in the East, I am on the train. I believe the 76ers are going to be in the conference finals. Wow. And I believe they're going to be playing the Toronto Raptors. I really do. Each of the last week or two has really given me the feeling that the Cavaliers are not as good and they're really going to have a struggle early. I also think it could possibly be the first year LeBron loses in the first round of the playoffs, but that's a conversation for another day. In the Western Conference, I'm going to give the nod to Golden State out of respect, and I'm going to give it to Houston because I've been reading a lot about D'Antoni's defense, and we've talked about it a lot, and I know I've, I've poo-pooed the Rockets for Chris Paul and, and James Harden not having playoff we winning experience. Everybody has. But if you're asking me the conference finals, I think Houston's good enough defensively, let up, forget how great they are offensively, defensively to get there, and I just think Golden State is that type of team that knows there needs to be a different switch turned on in the playoffs, and they know how to turn it on. So I'm going Philly, Toronto, Golden State, Houston. I want to give Brian Windhorst credit. He was on ESPN the other day, and he was mentioning that he, he relates Golden State and Cleveland a lot like the remodel of your kitchen. Does he? Because if you're looking to get your kitchen remodeled, or your bathroom, or your living room, or your home office, 
Maybe you need some new specialty interior trim or you simply just need a remodel on your house, on a room in your house or whatever it is in your home. We have that guy and he's Frankie Franchise Construction and you can call him at 973-789-6236 or email him at frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. We've told you before, we'll tell you again. Frankie Franchise Construction is one of the best in the construction business. Hardworking, reliable. He's going to be there on time and he's going to get it done, hopefully close to on time. Call him, 973-789-6236 or email him at frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. Mention the Double A Balls podcast and maybe, just maybe, you will receive something off on your first purchase. We continue to move on, but before we do, we will remind you to find the Double A Balls podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Social media. At Double A Balls on both DAABpodcast.com. Subscribe, iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, PowerArmPerformance.com to get your Double A Balls podcast apparel support the movement ladies and gentlemen you heard it last week you're gonna hear it again this week the frankie franchise construction sponsored nhl updates yes again hockey on the double a balls podcast the playoffs have been set for the nhl they get kicked off tonight with a slate of three games, the Minnesota Wild against the Winnipeg Jets, the Philadelphia Flyers against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is going to be a fantastic series in the state of Pennsylvania, and the Los Angeles Kings against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Let's give you a rundown of the playoff picture, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to start in the Eastern Conference, Anthony, and the first game we are going to look at is... The Tampa Bay Lightning against our hometown, New Jersey Devils. Andrew, I am no hockey aficionado, but my quick update, look, it looks to me like the Devils may be up on the Lightning this season already. What, 3-0 already? That is correct. The season sweep of the Lightning? The season series sweep for the New Jersey Devils of the Tampa Bay Lightning, 3-0. and They beat the Lightning in October in a shootout, 5-4. In February, 4-3, and in March, 2-1. So clearly they were great games, and obviously Tampa Bay is the number one seed in the East. One year from being outside of the playoffs, looking in, and then the Devils played really, really well down the stretch to secure that second wild card spot. That series will get started on Thursday. Maybe a little teaser into Andrews. What do you got? Either way, the next series in the Eastern Conference, Anthony, is going to be the Boston Bruins, who are battling for that number two spot in the Atlantic against the Toronto Maple Leafs. A lot of hockey aficionados, Anthony, are saying that this is going to be the series to watch in the NHL. Boston has that big dude, right? Chara. Zdeno. Nailed it. He's like six foot ten, isn't he? Rick DiPietro said the other day that Zdeno Chara is one of the most fit, strongest, in-shape people you've ever seen 
for a 6'10 guy. And apparently, this is a little side nugget for you. Zidane Ochara will follow the Tour de France, according to Rick DiPietro, and ride the route of the Tour de France after the bike riders are done. That's how, in, how great of shape Zidane Ochara is in. Well, his Boston Bruins will be taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs won that season series 3-1. to one. Toronto taking the last game on February 24th. There are going to be a lot of very good players in that game. And for me, I look at Tuka Rask on the Boston side. I really feel like they can't be beat. But you look at Matthews and you look at the young guys that the Toronto Maple Leafs have. It's going to be a very good series. So if you had to choose one, in my opinion, one series to watch in the NHL playoffs, it's going to be the Boston Bruins against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Moving forward... The Washington Capitals, who we have seen before in this position, taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Capitals won that series 3-1. to one. Are the Capitals going to be good enough this year to get over the hump of the first or the second round in the playoffs? It's going to be very tough. A lot of people are picking an upset for Columbus here. Columbus finished the season on fire in the NHL and... When you look at the struggles that Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals had, have had in, in, the, in the past few years in the playoffs, and you look at the fact that the Columbus Blue, Blue Jackets are coming in at 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10 games, you look at it and you say, could it be another year for the Washington Capitals going down early in the playoffs? Well, that will be determined, and we will see Columbus got the better of Washington some month and a half ago. That was the last time the two teams played. Moving forward, last matchup in the Eastern Conference. I mentioned it before. The Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Philadelphia Flyers. They get that kicked off tonight. Claude Giroux and the boys are going to look to stop Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and the rest of the Penguins as they look for what feels like their fourth cup in four years. That's how good they are every single year. And the one crazy thing about this series, besides the fact that the Penguins swept it 4-0 in the regular season, is that it's the state of Pennsylvania. And I think everybody in everybody in sports hates the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I don't even like hockey. Or Philly, excuse me. Hate, hate Philly, ugly-ass people. I got a great solution for the NHL. They want to make, they want to make a big splash. They should make every single one of these playoff games outside at Beaver Stadium. 100,000 people can fit in that, that bad boy. You stuff that stadium full of people. You watch two Philadelphia, uh, two uh, Pennsylvania teams go at it. It'd be fantastic for the sport. Well, I'll tell you what. The weather we're getting in the Northeast right now might actually allow that. It'd be like those New Year's Day games that they always host that are so fantastically watched. That's not a bad idea. So either way, that rounds out the Eastern Conference for the NHL first round playoffs. In the Western Conference, moving forward here, the first game we have, which is kicking off tonight, is the Vegas Golden Knights, which is probably the biggest story in the NHL. They kicked off one of the most dominant seasons. They capped off a season one of the most dominant seasons ever by an expansion team. They won the Pacific, the Pacific Division title. Unfortunately, though, getting a first-round matchup against the Los Angeles Kings, who have some players on the, on the Kings, Kopitar and the likes, that have played in the playoffs before. They have a goaltender that has been a Stanley Cup winning goaltender before. So you wonder if that is going to be a tough series for Vegas. 
when you looked at it and said, man, they had such a good year. Who knows? That was a tied series during the course of the year, 2-2. Two to two. Moving forward, and it'll be fun to see if Vegas can do something in the Western Conference in their first year as a team. The Nashville Predators take on the Colorado Avalanche. This was a happened last year. You saw the Predators rise to greatness with a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. There's no reason why they can't do it again. In my opinion, this is probably going to be one of the easiest series to pick. I think Colorado might take a game in this series, but at the end of the day, it's probably going to be a four- or a five-game series. That's how good the Predators are. That's how good they're playing. And, of course, they swept the Avalanche in the regular season. It is very hard to beat a team what would have to be eight times in a row if the Nashville Predators were to sweep Colorado. That's why I think Colorado is going to steal a game because I think it's so hard to beat a team that many times in one season. But either way... I think the Preds take that series pretty easily. The Winnipeg Jets take on the Minnesota Wild. The Jets took that series 3-1. to one. The Wild enjoyed a big-time bounce-back campaign from Eric Stahl. 42 goals this season, but unfortunately, they limp into the playoffs. They have not been playing that well down the stretch. So Winnipeg takes on Minnesota. I think Winnipeg ends up taking that series. And then the last series... Of the eight in the NHL on the Western Conference side is the Anaheim Ducks against the San Jose Sharks. And what's intriguing to me... Sharks beat Ducks most times in a fight. And this is very true if we're in Mother Nature. But the Ducks are a very good team. They are missing, missing one of their better defensemen, but they have a great goaltender. They have very good offensive pieces. One of our former New Jersey Devils, Adam Henrique, was traded there for Sammy Votnin at the midpoint of the year. I think the Ducks can take that series, but what's more intriguing for me than anything else is I just find it so cool that this year, one on the Western Conference side and one on the Eastern Conference side, you have a straight-up Pennsylvania matchup between the Flyers and the Penguins, and you have a straight-up California matchup between the Sharks and the Ducks. When things like that line up to me, I just think as a fan, that's cool stuff. You hate to come, you hate to bring it up, but uh, as a hockey guy, it happened over the weekend or earlier this week. That uh, terrible travesty in Connecticut, uh, Connecticut in uh, Canada. I'm sorry, just an utter, you know, fatal accident. What can you do? But the Humboldt Broncos. I believe it's a junior traveling team, right? Andrew? Yep, it's a it's a junior hockey team in Canada. And a really, really sad story. I believe they were hit by a tractor trailer. And uh, uh, close to 15 people were, were pronounced dead. And the rest, there was a lot that were critically injured. That whole town, it's a small, it's a small county up there. 6,000 people maybe. So obviously everybody knows everybody. It's going to be a real long, hard haul for them to get back to whole if they ever do. Uh, but you saw the outpour from the sports industry. The hockey industry and everybody else putting up donations, and I mean, obviously, it, it, it sucks to have a tragedy, but you, you do see the good in people, and you know what? They'll they'll survive. You know, they'll they'll get better. Uh, you know, I, I hate to bring it up, but obviously, it's out there in the sports world. People are talking about it. I just want to give a little a little love, a little shout out to everybody up there. No, you're 100 percent right, and it's necessary because I think it's important, and it's important for people to know what's going on out there, and. Obviously, everything is in sunshine and rainbows. So from Anthony and myself and the Double A Balls podcast, and I'm, I'm sure anybody else that is a listener that's listening, family. everybody, the Dab family, um, from us to Humboldt 
to the families and the friends affected. Um, we send our sincere condolences and we just hope that everybody realizes the importance of sport and how it can change lives and how it can bring people together in even the hardest times. Let's turn to a little happy note first before we spin out of hockey. I have a question for you. I want to I see if one of our listeners sent his resume into New York Rangers for the head coaching position. Has Coach Rocky Romanello put his resume into the J James Dolan's office yet? Well, he's been a little busy with his newborn, beautiful daughter, Sophia. My goddaughter, shout out. But I would not be surprised because my brother, I wouldn't be surprised if my dad put his resume in first. Either way... I think it was time for Elaine Vigneault to step away from the New York Rangers. Not because he's not a great coach. I think he's going to be scooped up quickly by a team in the NHL. I just think it was time for a different voice in New York. You saw the way that season went. It was rocky from the start. This is a, this is a team that had been in the playoffs each of the past, I believe, five or six seasons. They got made a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. They'd been in the Eastern Conference Finals a few times. This is a perennial team under Elaine Vigneault. And I just think it's much like the New York Mets where Terry Collins was doing a pretty good job. He got them to the World Series in 15 and he had them competitive and back in the playoffs in 16. But at the end of the day, after one season out of the playoffs, you realize how much it was time for a new voice. I think that's what happened here with the New York Rangers. I mean, listen, sometimes the voice is just a little stale. Happens with the, happens with the Giants, Tom Coughlin, his tenure was up. They, they, they got stale hearing the same message. It happens. You move on. And then it happened quickly with Ben McAdoo, which was ben probably McAdoo. for other reasons because he was not a good football coach. So that is the Frankie Franchise NHL update. Remember, to call one of the best in home building and remodeling Frankie Franchise at 973-789-6236 or email him at frank.franchiseconstruction.com. So we started this last week. And clearly it got Anthony excited because he came in to the studio today whiling about wanting to talk about the NHL. So, another version of what does Anthony know about sports? Before we get into it, before we get into the excitement of what does Anthony know about sports, we're going to remind you, obviously, to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Double A Balls on both. But you knew that already. Why I'm telling you that is because we want you to send us your questions for Anthony about what he knows about sports. Right now, we're focused around hockey. We're trying to get his hockey brain up. It's the NHL playoffs. We're fired up. But this thing is going to go a world of a difference of ways in the sports world. So if you have something that you want to ask, Anthony, and see if he knows it about sports, please send us a DM on Instagram, tweet us on Twitter, send us an email, doubleaballs at gmail.com, and let us know what you want to ask Anthony. We will start with our first question of the day. Anthony Rinaldi, in 1983, the New Jersey Devils moved from what state, and what was their mascot? What the F kind of question is that? You gave me three layups last week, now you come with the fire. I have no idea where it came from. You said your brother worked for the Devils. He did work the Devils. For the Devils. Like, what does that mean, he worked for the Devils? Come on. Because 
I wasn't even born in 83. In 83, oh, no. the Devils moved from what state and what was their former mascot? I'll give you one hint. Yes, I got a hint, Bob. It is currently the name of an MLB franchise. I, I Five seconds. I don't want to waste that air time, so I have no clue. The New Jersey Devils moved from Colorado, and they were the Colorado Rockies. Really? Yes. Colorado Rock. And then... What, what did the Avalanche... How did the Avalanche come, come Colorado? Just an expansion team. And then uh, since moving to New Jersey, have won three Stanley Cups in 95, 2000, and 2003 to be one of the best teams during that span in the NHL. So we move forward on what does Anthony know about sports. Question number two. We're going to the rule book. When you pass the puck across the red line the blue line, and the goal line without it being touched by anybody. That is called what? Icing, Bob. Ding, ding, ding! All right, one for two. There is your layup. You're welcome. Now, I got an even harder one for you. Your hint. It's a Metropolitan team. A player that played for that team. Who was the first player in NHL history to be the captain for two separate championship organizations. Mark Messier. Ding, ding, ding! Bonus question. Can you name the two teams? Rangers in 94. I have no idea where he came from before that. Across the border. Canada. Da, 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 da. Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers. Him and Wayne Gretzky were doing their thing up there. Winning a lot of cups with the Oilers. Then he came to the New York Rangers and, as you said, won it in 94. And was the first person in NHL history to captain two teams. Okay, last question. This is going to require a little bit of thinking. Okay? Feel free to cop out whenever you need to. Question number four on the what does Anthony know about sports is going to bring you into the general variety. Okay? It includes all four sports. There are six teams, six, in all four major sports that have the same name, double, meaning a team in, let's say, baseball and football share the same mascot, or a team in hockey and basketball share the same mascot. Can you name the six mascots that are doubled up? That's a lot of thinking. Rangers, baseball. One. Giants. Yep. Two. There you go. All right. We're moving forward. The Jets, right? Three. All right. We're moving Uh, forward. Okay, okay. Oh, that's that's, that's hockey and college football. I like where your head's at. Um, At any point in time, you can cop out, but I I know if you think about it, you're good enough to know what they are. There's got to be a few out on on the West Coast, no? Yeah, absolutely. I've mentioned one already just now in my hockey update. Another one, the Ducks with Oregon. Another college football hockey. There you go, which is another trivia question. Um, I'm going to cop out just for time's sake. All right. Give me the other three. The other three. The Kings, Los Angeles and Sacramento. The Panthers, Carolina and Florida, and the Arizona Cardinals, and the St. Louis Cardinals. That could have been done. How about that? Now, when you hear the answers, don't you say to yourself, 
man, I definitely could have came up with that right away. Right, but I, for time's sake. For time's sake, I, I feel you. We so can't, We can't bore the three listeners out. I'm going to give you a 2.5 out of 4 for this week's version of what does Anthony know about sports. Overall, you are 5.5 out of 7. How do you feel? That's Hall of Fame in baseball, Anthony. That is Hall of Fame in baseball, Anthony. And I'm actually pretty proud of you because of the seven questions I've asked you, six of them have been about hockey. And there you go. Besides the Devils moving to New Jersey from Colorado, you were clean. Who am I? Stump the Schwab? Yes, you are. I'll I'll have a laptop in front of me. Come on. Well, either way. Who am I, Dave Rothenberg? We're going to move forward on the Double A Balls podcast. Remember, DWABpodcast.com, PowerOnPerformance.com. Get your apparel, iTunes, Anchor, Podbean. Hit the subscribe button. Right now, everybody in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim uniform, Anthony Rinaldi, is subscribing to what Shohei Otani has done to start the 2018 campaign. I believe his name is Showtime Otani. True. Because my man is balling. Out in L.A. Shohei Otani has Where's done it? something that has not been done since Babe Ruth. The Sultan of Swat? The Sultan of Swat? The King of Crash? The King of Crash? The Colossus of Clout? The Colossus of Clout? Baby Ruthie. Sandlot. I believe it was just their 45th anniversary the other day. One of the top five sports movies of all time. Of all time. I said this. that with my son. I said this during our game yesterday. Tell me if I'm wrong. And we will get back to Shohei Otani, don't worry. Tell me if I'm wrong. Every single bit of music that's used at a baseball game is essentially derived from the movie Stanlock. 100%. We were thinking about it yesterday. In between at-bats, the music that they used was the music that they played showing up to the ballpark before they played the team in the nice uniforms. We started putting it together yesterday. We realized all of the music in baseball is from when Sandlot was created. And now has turned into what the sounds of baseball are, and more specifically, professional baseball. Like, you're sitting there and you're listening to the music and you're going, I could see Benny the Jet Rodriguez running in his PF Flyers. Guaranteed to make you to run the faster, song. jump higher, or whatever else they do. Their New Balance released a special edition PF Flyer cleat that is the exact replica of the PF Flyers that Benny the Jet wore. And I'm going to get a picture. I'm going to put it on the Instagram. I'm going to put it on the Twitter. Our right fielder at Stack bought them. So beautiful. One of the cooler things that has been done. Sandlot, easily one of, if not the greatest baseball movie of all time. you play ball like a girl. Right now, Shohei Tanya is not. So, we mentioned the stat before. We're going to give it to you. Three... Home runs in between two starts. First person since Babe Ruth to do that started. One hit three home runs before he started again and won. And in his second start in Major League Baseball, went 19 up, 19 down. Took a perfect game into the seventh inning. Gave up one hit. I think he struck out six and got his second win in his big league career. Question for you, Andrew. Do you think he'll give up more home runs or hit more home runs this season? I think he'll hit more home runs this season because, obviously, if you start regularly in Major League Baseball, you're probably getting 30 to 35 starts over the course of a given year. He's D- if he's DHing every other day, 
the days that he's not pitching, then I would say I would put my money on him hitting more home runs than people hitting off of him. My guess is he's in the 27 to 28 range. Yeah, I agree. I think he's what he's doing is phenomenal. You saw what you explained to me prior to the show about his little adjustments he's made from where he came from to where he is now. It was absolutely phenomenal. Shohei Otani had a leg kick when he was in Japan. If you started watching video of Shohei Otani, and I believe it was Harold Reynolds that went through this and discussed it and showed some video of it. If you watch Shohei Otani when he was in spring training, his leg is in the air while the baseball is nearly halfway to the plate already. His timing was so off from when he needed to get ready to swing to when he was ready to trigger and hit the baseball. Now, as you watch him in the regular season, his leg kick, his front knee, which would be as a lefty, his right knee, is not as high in the air. His leg is not as high off the ground. Therefore, now when he's timed up and getting ready to hit the baseball, it's when the pitcher is about to release it from his hand. Since he's seeing 95 and 96, that is the biggest adjustment he needed to make, Anthony, because everybody knew the talent was there. Once they realized he simply just needed to get his timing down, get acclimated to Major League Baseball from that standpoint, making a huge adjustment, which I credit him and the Angels for doing, now you see how good Shohei Otani can and probably will be. Do you think that puts the Angels in a, up there in the, in the uh, American yes. West? Yes. They're playing pretty well. Trout is just filling up stats. Trout is so good. He Shout is the best player sport. in baseball. I got him and Harper. Oh, best on. player in baseball right there, Mike Trout. Yes, I do. I do. And they're off to a hot start are the Angels as well. Let's slide to the hometown teams because there's a lot of big stories for both New York teams, both the Mets and the Yankees. But right now, I think the bigger story is the injury list piling up for the New York Yankees. Oh, here, let me just rattle it off for you, Andrew, so I have it handy. CC Sabathia, hip. Brennan Drury, migraines. Tyler Wade, I don't think he's out too long. He's just sick. But Gary Sanchez, he should be playing, actually, I believe, tonight in Boston. Bird, he's still out with the ankle. Aaron Hicks, intercostal, but he's coming back. Ellsbury got shut down with his oh, an oblique. Clip. Clint Frazier's coming back with concussions. And Brandon McKinney has a bum shoulder. Right, what scares you about Frazier? Anybody else? Well, I the mean, head. Some of, those, yeah, some of those names aren't too bad. But you know, Bird, Bird bad. Frazier not great. Ellsbury's not great. That's a crowded outfield, though. Just right. But, for, but, but, but you're right. For depth purposes. And, and the ability that Frazier would have had an opportunity with the injuries that happened early in the year. McKinney... And Hicks go down, then Ellsbury goes down in his rehab. Again, yeah. All of a sudden, you're looking at and if you're Clint Frazier and you're healthy at that moment in time, that's your chance right there. And unfortunately, he doesn't get it because the concussion is a lingering effect right now. Right, and now they think that's where the jury's going through. But these, I think they're severe migraines. They're not even migraines. So hopefully, and all that head stuff right now, man. Everyone's trying to be safe. It doesn't matter what sport. Right. Everyone's trying to be safe. Well, let me ask you real quick about that. Did you see that that play at home plate between Didi and the Baltimore Orioles? Pitcher, that wild pitch where he tried to come home. You know the whole rule about can't block the plate anymore? Well, wild pitch, Didi's coming home from, th from third. He slides head first. The pitcher doesn't have the ball yet. 
does like a, a, a crouch slide, blocks the plate, so Didi has nowhere to go, catches the ball, tags Didi, umpire calls him out. That was in, I think, like the 10th or 11th inning. So the game would have been over because, you know, is that in – your, in your knowledge of the rule of catchers can't block the plate anymore, basically because of Buster Posey. But this was kind of player player now, and it was so bang, bang. I don't believe it was a wrong call. I know a lot of people at ESPN were like, uh, oh, my God, how did they not you know, overturn that and the Yankees should have won that game, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's what's one of 162. But check that, check that play out later, Andrew. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can, I can see it in my head right now. The biggest thing is the guy going into home plate has to have a lane. That is the biggest thing. So There was no lane because it was covered. Right. What – Ends up happening in a play like that. And again, this is pure opinion, Anthony. Obviously, yeah, I coach the game of baseball every single day. But at the end of the day, it's just my pure opinion. Uh, umpire is making a judgment call there because they know two things. A, how uncomfortable the pitcher is in that situation going home. And then B, to build off of that, how unnatural that play is for a pitcher and how little that happens for the pitcher, that more times than not, they're going to give the pitcher the benefit of the doubt on that play. Why I'm saying that didn't get called blocking home plate, I guarantee you, if that was a throw home from the outfield and a guy was rounding third and the catcher had his body in front of home plate, maybe a little bit up the line and was blocking it before the ball got there, they're calling that catcher's interference 100% of the time. I think it's the benefit of the doubt to the pitcher that changes that call. I just wonder if Didi doesn't slide head first, if he either goes foot first and cleats the pitcher right in the face or throat, or just stands up and bowls and runs him over. Like, what do you do there? I, again, it was so bang, bang. Well, you probably don't cleat him in the throat or run him over because both are going to get you ejected from the game and probably suspended. What? This is baseball, man. i got to get home plate. Unfortunately, and I agree, though, they took that rule they those rules? out of it. Since when, Andrew? Unbelievable. What is this? Unbelievable. What, what's unbelievable is this disappointing bullpen for the New York Yankees. Supposedly a strong suit coming into the season was our depth and our bullpen. Clearly we have none of, none of it because... All right, relax, Ant. We're 5-5. Five five. It's only 10 games. But, so, I heard this the other day. Now that you say that, it's 5-5, five five, it's only 10 games. I agree with you. Sometimes things happen early. You go through your adversity earlier rather than later. I'm a firm believer that I want my team, whatever team it is, the last two months of the season playing their best sport, basketball, football, baseball, hockey, whatever it is. In the Yankees' case, they're going to be completely fine. Everything's going to iron itself out. But, I heard this the other day. If they lose this next series, and you're 6-7, and seven, or you get swept and you're 5-8, and eight, it's not panic. It's not panic. But do you start to have a cause for concern? Losing to Boston. Yeah, you get swept by Boston. You're going to see a lot of people calling the sports love radio. You're going to have to talk a lot of Yankee fans off the ledge. Because, of, of course, we're Yankee fans. It's, it's World Series or bust. It's crazy. Every year. It doesn't matter who's on your roster. Exactly. And we, you know what? The rebuild happened. I, I, they spoiled us last year, Andrew. It's true. You're supposed right. To be a rebuild process. This year was supposed to be last year. We haven't seen it. it was basically, they, they took that, that rebuild and said, F you, we're going to the World Series. One game of the World Series last year. So, we're right there. The Houston Astros last year started 4-4. Four you know what? It's it's gonna take John Carlos some time. Everyone's screaming, you know, what a mess that is. The dude 
is a California kid who played in Miami. Dude's never seen cold weather before. Great point. You see him bundled up. He's wearing a hoodie. He's got a friggin' scully on. He's probably wearing eight batting gloves. He's uncomfortable right now in this New York cold. And I can tell you, I have now coached 28 to 32, somewhere in that range, baseball games from the date of February 16th to today, April 11th. And it is miserable. I've played games in 25 degree weather with 25 mile per hour winds. I played even a game last night that was maybe 35, 36, maybe hit 40 for a little bit when the sun went down, but still with a little bit of wind. I had four or five layers on. It is miserable. And when you're a guy that looks at it and says, the 90% of my season is not played in this weather, who cares? If the first 15 games of the year, I'm not great. I'm literally just miserable playing the game of baseball. Watch. John Carlos Stanton's going to go off in about three weeks. It's going to be 65 degrees and sunny, and you're going to see that guy hitting bombs. Not striking out five times. Maybe he has another 0 for 5 day. Sure, that's fine. That happens to everybody. But you're not going to see him strike out five more times because, to your point, that is purely the six inches between his ears not wanting to essentially be there at that moment because it's so miserable out there. Yeah, I think that, I mean, not to make excuses for the team. You're professionals. You're making lots of money. Which is the other argument. Right, but I'm not, as, as a Yankees fan, it's a 160, it's still got 152 games left. A lot of baseball left. we got to see what happens. Everybody comes back a little healthy. Maybe we keep things rolling. Listen to some of these bullpen ERAs, because I know that you just mentioned it, and it was supposed to be a focal point for them. Now, some of these numbers at first, you say to yourself, that's not that bad, but you're a bullpen guy, and if you're a lights-out bullpen guy like they're supposed to be, I want your ERA anywhere under three. Anywhere under three. Ideally, I probably want it under two and a half. That's really what uh, my lockdown, lockdown bullpen guys are about a 1-5. That's where my lockdown bullpen guys are. Listen to some of these bullpen guys for the New York Yankees. Tommy Canely, 318. Chad Green, 360. Dellen Batances, 450. Adam Warren, 491. David Robertson, 540. Domingo German, 1013. Not that he's really going to factor into it. And Jonathan Holder, 20 25. Is it the year's graduating high school? Isn't that unbelievable? 2025 is ERA. Unbelievable. And that's 2.2 innings pitch. Because if you look at your starters, now, Jason Shreve in four innings is a zero ERA. Uh, Luis Sessa, he's only thrown in one game, zero ERA. Araldis Chapman, 1 8. So those three guys have showed up, but Luis Severino has a 1 3 8. He's gone out there and only given up six hits in 13 innings. Masahiro Tanaka has only given up nine hits in 12 and a third innings. Tanaka Maybe. struck out 15. Tanaka gives up the long ball, though. That's the problem. Severino struck out 14. Sonny Gray struck out 12. Sonny Gray's ERA is a 3-6. So what I'm saying is your starters are doing everything you need them to do. And if your bullpen does what you think or know it's supposed to do, you're money. You hit it on the head, Andrew. Bullpen and our big guns have not showed up yet for the Bronx Bombers. I'm looking at you, John Carlo. I'm looking at you, Aaron Judge. 
Gary Sanchez. If not for Didi in that one game hitting, getting ARBI alone, they could be looking at an under 500 record. Didi Gregorius is going to be the MVP of the New York Yankees. Austin Roman had a few nice games for Sanchez while he was, uh, you know, mending the calf. Drury uh, had a few nice hits before he went down with injury. Uh, Neil Walker's played a nice little role there. So it's a lot of our Brett Garner's done his typical self. A lot of our usual guys. And it's the big guns that need to show up. The bullpen needs to wise up. Our starters need to go a little longer. I mean, obviously, you lost CC. I think he gave you four, then all of a sudden uh, went down with that uh, hip injury. So they, they had to come in early for that one. Yeah, he was throwing pretty well. He but was he, doing everything you needed CC to do. Right. The problem, I had one issue with the start. Well, I believe it was Sunday. And the Yankees jumped out to a 5-0 lead in the first. And Montgomery struggled. Yeah. When they spot you five runs in the first you can't time, give you that gotta up. you got to at least give them six. I don't care what it takes. I mean, you got to give at least at least six. And no less than three runs can be given up. Uh, it's okay. If you want to go out there and you want to pound the strike zone and almost say, hey, hit it, but go, go ahead because I'm not going to walk you. I'm going to make you try and earn it. Fine. That's fine with me. And you give up maybe two or three runs. That's okay. But you can't go out and do what he did. No, he, he looked – Joe Girardi was brilliant at managing the bullpen, all the different moving parts. You see him – the lefty specialist, the righty specialist. You can only have you only have six mound visits now, so you gotta get factor that in. I don't want to say Boone. You know, he obviously it's his first year managing, so he's gonna come across some issues. You know, he, I thought he left Batantis in lo- too long that one of, the, one of those, that opening series where he got shelled all of a sudden. He's made some interesting bullpen moves. You know, I'm not gonna blame Boone just yet because the players gotta play. At the, True. At the end of the day, you can't have Giancarlo Stanton striking out. 20 of 42 at bats, 50% of the time. Right. You can't have that. I mean, he's good for anywhere between, I believe, he, I believe in the Marlins, he averaged anywhere from 150 to 170 strikeouts yep. a year. Yep. So, listen, he's going to get him. Obviously, he's got a lot right now. And Judge is up there, too. So, you know, you're going to get that from both those guys. The problem is, you're also not getting the production from them early as well. Right. Again, I'm just going to, I'm going to blame Mother Nature. And it's 10. It's going to be it's 70 the beginning of the year. Northeast this weekend. Come give me this, give me the sunshine, Andrew. I hear the birds chirping outside. You may hear that as background noise. I agree. No, that's not Twitter blowing up. Those are actual birds. Tweet us, Instagram us, social media. Bleh. Double A balls on both. Mickey Callaway said this for the New York Mets. This eight and one New York Mets. Eight and one New York Mets. Wow. Actually, excuse me, nine and one New York Mets. The eight and one New York Mets are playing very well. Mickey Callaway said this the other day about what he needed to be doing you know, moves-wise, and he made his first double switch in Major League Baseball and said he was so nervous. He said the one thing he was the most nervous about in spring training, this is what you forget about with the National League Baseball and the American League Baseball. See, with American League, you have the DH. So the only thing that gets adjusted is if you decide to remove your DH and hit a pitcher in the DH slot. Excuse me, But you would never do that on an American League roster anyways. That only comes into play in college, really, when you have a two-way guy. Or a guy like Shohei Otani. So let's say in the playoffs, the Angels are... Shohei Otani's not starting. But he's available to come out of the pen. But they want him to hit in the DH slot. So Shohei Otani can hit in the DH slot. And then they can enter him in onto the mound. But that means now you no longer have the DH. So the next person that comes in for Shohei Otani then also has to hit for himself. Or you have to pinch hit in that slot. With a double switch... When you make that move in the National League, you end up switching where the pitcher's spot is in the lineup so that 
you can get an offensive guy as your pinch hitter in that slot. So let's say the pitcher's leading off the next inning. So when you make that move, you're going to pinch hit for the pitcher. You're going to put that guy into the field. You're going to pull somebody out, and you're going to flip-flop those two spots. So you make a switch in the pitcher's spot for the guy coming into the game, and then you make a move where the pitcher is going into the slot where the guy is coming out from the outfield. It's a crazy move. Mickey Callaway is, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for this all year. All spring training, this is what I talked about. This is what I was most nervous about. What happens, he gets out for a mound visit, doesn't have his cards with him, doesn't have any of his stuff with him. Somebody gets hurt, he has to make his double switch without any of his stuff, just off the top of his head for the first time ever, and he did it correctly. But it's one of those funny things when you start talking about bringing bullpen guys in and you start talking about what managers have to do in terms of managing, people forget what National League managers have to do because the pitchers hit. Explain to me what brilliant manager did early on against Washington. After I think Bryce Harper got on, he did he intentionally walk too bad? Was it the, what inning was that? Do you remember? Uh, I forgot what he did. He like he, I think Bryce Harper got up or intentionally. Then he intentionally walked the two batters behind him to get to somebody, and it worked out in his favor. Yeah, I, I want to say it was like the fifth. Was it the fifth inning? Because it was it was earlier. It was early. It was earlier, but yeah, it, it's just it's a different way of thinking now in baseball, and it's not even just a mess. I feel like I see this everywhere. Again, we talk about the Phillies with how Gabe Kapler had made, I think it was twenty-one pitching changes. He'll be in gone by three games or something like that. Dude, he's, he's done. Yeah, that, he's done. Philadelphia is not happy. Did you hear that? Kapler. I heard that one thing. On Who's ESPN. everywhere I heard that there? One thing on ESPN where one guy was like, "Coach, why why are, are I in the lineup?" You know, and he was like, "I don't know. The computer makes the lineup." That's crazy. It's crazy to me to think that you're spits out this managing a major league baseball team with a computer. See, that just this is what's this is going to prove. I think we're going to rewind a hair here. This whole sabermetrics thing, this whole Gabe Kapler thing, some of these ridiculously heavy analytics guys are going to prove the Oakland Athletics. They prove it every year. Analytics can't win you a championship. Billy Beanball. You need a manager. That can manage your players, emotions, their abilities. Listen, I've been in a professional locker room before. Maybe I haven't been in a major league baseball locker room, but I've been around enough guys that know it and have talked to me about it. And I've been in my own professional baseball locker room before too at the independent level. You're managing some type of ego because when you get a paycheck to play a sport, there is an ego there. So you don't want a guy coming in there trying to change everything you're doing or talking to you every day about changing what you do and how you do it, you want a guy making tweaks. You want a guy making minor adjustments, talking to you mentally, getting you in the right mindset to play the game, get, keeping the clubhouse happy, keeping the clubhouse connected, making it a good vibe. That's what it meant. And then managing the players and putting them in the best place to succeed. A computer can't do that because they don't know the personalities and they don't know the emotions of these players. How can you go win a championship that way? How? Perfect example would be your boy Matt Harvey. Last year, going through the dramas of breaking up with what you know, celebrities, stars, getting dumped for Julian Edelman type things. You know, all that nonsense that the the, the computer doesn't know. Matt Harvey's having a bad day, having a bad hair day. You know, his, his, his dog had a, a left leg injury. Now he's all limping and he's all upset. Computers don't know that. You're right. A manager knows his players day in day out, and your boy Mickey Callaway has him out to an eight and one record. He's a great manager, and I just Explain think that... Explain to me that, that, Mets, that Mets winning formula since they lost the opening day and then rattled off H trade. They hired Mickey Callaway because they wanted a pitching guy because the pitching 
is the strong suit of this organization. Noah Syndergaard is healthy, in a good place mentally. He's nimble, he's flexible, he's throwing the ball really hard, and he still have not even gotten his best stuff yet, and that's good. I'm okay with that, because he's already won two games. Yeah, he had a bad start, he went four innings. I don't care about that. That stuff happens. The team picked him up that day, that's all that matters. Jacob deGrom is a bona fide ace. He's proven it the last three years. He's going to keep proving it every single day. Steven Matz is actually showing, as long as he stays healthy, that he can get big leagues hitters out and he can give you a good six innings and be a solid number three starter for a professional team. Matt Harvey is pseudo back. He's not throwing the balls hard, but he's learning how to pitch. And that's what's so important about Mickey Calloway and the rest of the Mets coaching staff that has come in here this year and changed the mindset of these guys. In an interview the other day, Mickey Calloway spoke about how he only really talks mentally with, with the pitchers, how that's the biggest thing he wants to get through to them is how to respond mentally in situations and in games. And I think that's throughout the whole clubhouse. You look at the way these guys are going about going about at bats right now. They're having at bats, and they're not winning games off of home runs. They meet they meet the Marlins. I believe it was on Monday night, four to two. They had five singles and one double to score four runs. They're going first to third on singles. They're taking the extra base when they can. They're reading balls in the dirt. They're being as aggressive as they as they can be. If they can find a way to answer their catching questions, because I think. Major League Baseball teams are like 14 for 14 stealing against them right now. They could legit stay healthy and be a, be a World Series contender. What I found intriguing about the Mets, I watched a little bit of that Sunday night game against uh, Washington. They came back quite a few times. They're, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. So that's got to be, as, a Mets, as, as the, the Homer Mets fan you are, you really got to love that aspect of your team that no matter what the, the deficit or no matter who's on the mound or what your team's got that fight that, that no quit attitude that hey you know what we got this let's hit a few balls let's let's do the small ball let's let's move them over let's let's generate the runs because you know what we'll hold it down at the end and that's a winning recipe Andrew. Josh Lewin said it on the broadcast last night on the radio the most probably one of the most impressive things from the New York Mets right now is every time a team scores a run, it seems like in the next half inning, they find a way to get a run back and either A, tie the game or take the lead. Or what's been happening more recently is they've been able to find a way to build leads. And it doesn't mean you have to score five runs and score another five. It's just chipping away. Here's one run. Here's another one run. Here's another one run. All of a sudden, you've put together five, six, seven runs in a game. And it, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't 450 feet in the center field, but what it was was the team working together in their at-bats as a lineup to find a way to win the ballgame. Just keep winning, baby. Just keep winning. And if you aren't winning with your windows, doors, thermopanes, maybe a broken tabletop, or you want to enhance a dull picture frame, we have somebody that will help you. Learn the winning ways, and that is Hawthorne Glass. And that is our man, Angelo, who's had three decades of quality service in the glass industry. So if you're tired of looking through those dirty windows or thermopanes, call him at 973-427-4344 and schedule your home consultation today. And when you do, mention Double A Balls Podcast, and you will receive 10% off your first 
purchase. So remember, the best in the glass industry, folks. That is Hawthorne Glass. That's our man, Angelo. His phone number is 973-427-4344. What does that mean, Anthony Rinaldi? That means we're going to discuss this crappy promo that you do called What Do You Got? What Do You Got? Yes, we are. Literally still rolling. What do you got? And I can't hit the ocean from a boat. What happened last week, Anthony Rinaldi? I don't know, you you cheap. I'm, that, that, I'm, this, this what do you got last week is under protest. Why? I don't know how I let you get away with this. Taking this Sunday at the Masters, that's like taking game seven of a hockey playoff game, dude. You know it's going to be good. Come on, that's too easy. You don't, though. We've, seen, we've seen Tiger win tournaments in, uh, uh, majors by 17 strokes. You've seen guys completely fall off the map on a Sunday and all of a sudden there's no contest. This was legit. This was, I think, Spieth was 8-under on the last day. Patrick Reed won the Masters. First-time Masters guy. Interesting backstory. Hasn't talked to his family since, I think, 2012. But they actually lived three miles away from the golf course at Augusta. I read that story this morning. Um, I'm going to actually put that story up on DAABpodcast.com either today or tomorrow. So if you want to read that story, it's a very interesting story to hear because his family was watching. They were very excited. Either way, Patrick Reed, first-time Masters champion. But, Anthony, I don't see how it's not fair. It's a great sports day. And in golf, that's what a game is. It's a day of golf. It's a tournament. Listen, you can try and justify you picking Sunday at the Masters. I'll give you that one. I'm not going to give you your performer. DJ played all right. Yeah, he was all right. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't a factor on the stretch like a lot of people were, were hoping that. I think he was. Was he number one beforehand going in? Was he ranked number one? No, 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 no. Last year he was. Oh, last year he was right. Last year he was He's ranked. Kind of an injured issue a little bit, right? Yeah, that's that, that's. He, he hasn't played much this year. But I mean, he finished tenth and he was tied. He was tied for tenth and he was seven under. What was Bubba? Did I pick Bubba? You picked Bubba and Bubba was tied for fifth. He was nine under. Oh, so I should. Really, Technically, I should get a point for that one. The top of the no, because you picked oh, a terrible pick, and I think it was Jason Tatum in the Boston Celtics versus the Raptors. Oh, uh, brutal. It was on a brutal Mace. basketball Mace. game. I think my eight-month-old son picked those. Points. So I will I'm take. Blame him. We, good, good parenting there, huh? We will. I think your eight-month-old right. terrible picks. Yeah, great parenting. Didn't, didn't he pick your bracket home. too? Didn't he pick your bracket he did. too? He picked UNBC over Virginia. Maybe we'll wait a few years for him to do that next. So twelve and ten for Andrew, 10 and 12 for Anthony. And let's just listen to this real quick before you make your this week's What Do You Got pick, Anthony? Patrick Reed finished in first place. He made $1.98 million. Ricky Fowler finished in second place. He made $1.18 million. Jordan Spieth finished in third place. He made $748,000. John Ram finished in fourth place. He made $528,000, right? Okay, that's your, that's your top four. Tough, tough for a long weekend to work on things. Now I've scrolled all the way down to the bottom of the cut list. And 30K? Okay. Chez, Chez Reevy Chez finishes Reevy. in 53rd place. That's the last spot. Was he? Not cut. And he finishes with $26,400. Not bad. What was it? Plus what? 10? He was plus 10. Nice. And then I just decided, let me scroll all the way down to the bottom. And 15 to 20 guys that didn't make the cut make $10,000. Golf is as lucrative as a sport as it gets. 
Listen, Jordan Spieth is like the mold of every father dreamed for their son. I mean, I think he collected like $90 million by the age of 21 by Nike and his, at his weddings on the tour. That's insane. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I that's mean, crazy. Thank you very much, Tiger Woods. In total, it was $11 million. You can thank Tiger Woods for out. all of this, by the way. A hundred percent. The fact that what he did when he was younger in the 90s and early 2000s, he streamlined golf. He has raised the bar. He, he made it exciting to watch on Sundays. Everybody can thank him for their nicer houses, nicer cars. And for red Nike polos because they're fantastic. So, but he can't, Pat, did you hear that story? Patrick Reed couldn't wear the red Nike. Because Reed of, also likes to wear red. Oh, because of Tiger. But signed with Nike, they made yeah. him wear pink. I think that's awesome. But I think he's going to go pink from now on. You win the Masters. You win the Masters. You're wearing what? I don't care if I was wearing turquoise or tie-dye or brown or the worst color in the world. If I win the Masters, that is my Sunday gear for the rest of my career. Well, he wore he wore his green jacket to the Basketball Garden for the Knicks Cavaliers last night. Good for him. Good for him. He got slighted by LeBron. Though. Moving forward, my guess is you're going to go on the hardwood with your what do you got pick. So, Anthony Rinaldi. That's clearly in my winning direction. It's a weekly activity. It is what do you got. What do you got? Andrew, what do I got is what everybody should be watching. It's actually tonight. So, I'm going to put a little pressure on you, Mix, Mix Master Flash, and get this podcast out to our, our, our thousands of listeners. But they need to watch the one and only remaining playoff spot in the Western Conference playoffs. That's the Timberwolves versus the Nuggets. Let me get the actual schedule for you. That is, listen, have you realized Minnesota, it's been 14 years. 14 years. Kevin, Kevin Garnett engineered the last team. The playoffs. See, Minnesota win. versus Denver. I like it. Eight, that's an 8 p.m. start. Looks like it's on Fox Sports Network. All right. FSN. And your player? And my player is the one, the only, Carl Anthony Towns. Cat. Give me the cat, the Bobcat, Mr. Cat, Minnesota Cat. Timber Cat. Call him. He's going to he's gonna, he's gonna get his team to the playoffs to get ousted by the Houston Rockets in Portland. All right. So, Minnesota versus Denver and Carl Anthony Towns. I Andrew, like it. Got? Andrew, what do you got? Has a little bit of hockey for you. And because I am so fired up that my New Jersey Devils are in the playoffs for the first time in a Let's few years, I am excited. The Devils... The Devils play the Lightning. I'm just going to ignore that. The Devils play the Lightning on Thursday for their first game of their seven-game series in the Eastern Conference first round of the playoffs. And I'm going to take not Martin Brodeur, since he is retired and since, since in the Raptors. I'm going to take Keith Kincaid, who has been the starting goaltender for the New Jersey Devils down the stretch. Corey Schneider was traded over to New Jersey three years ago from Vancouver to really take over for Martin Brodeur and got hurt through the midpoint of this year. And since that moment in time, Keith Kincaid has absolutely been a spark for this New Jersey Devils team. He has been the goalie that they need. And everybody knows that as a hockey fan out there, you need a great starting goaltender to win a Stanley Cup. That is how you win in the playoffs. 
You need to have a goalie that can bail you out in bad times. And you need a goalie that can be consistent for you. Keith Kincaid played 41 games this year. Again, a lot due to injury, but then once Corey Schneider came back, they have John Hines, the head coach of the New Jersey Devils, made the decision to go with Kincaid. 26-10. and 10. He had a 2.77 goals against average and a 9.13 save percentage. So Keith Kincaid is my what-do-you-got performer pick of the week. And the New Jersey Devils at the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday is my what-do-you-got game of the week. Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at me correcting the hockey guy. Very, very nice. One more point for Anthony. 11-12. Remember to tune in. To the Double A Balls podcast now on Friday mornings. Yep, that's right. It's the Friday morning dab. And this week, we will be able to discuss our what do you got picks on the Friday morning dab because they will have happened already. So stay tuned for that. We will obviously discuss what the NBA playoff picture is at that moment in time because it will be determined by Friday morning as well as what has already happened in the first few games of the NHL playoffs, and of course, whatever baseball we can give you, we will be giving you for the next five months or so. We will touch on that as well. So again, DAADpodcast.com, iTunes, Anchor, Podbean. Maybe we should talk about the Duke a little bit, and that's a little NFL football. A little, a little, a little pot stirring going on. I know it's the, the draft's coming up. up. We should do a little, little dabbing on the Duke. We'll dab on football. On this Friday morning, and you'll get that on iTunes, Anchor, and Podbean. Follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram. Social media. Double A Balls on both. This is the Double A Balls podcast. I am Andrew Romanella. I'm Anthony Rinaldi. We want to thank you for your continued support, and we want to remind you to tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Lucky number 13. Done and done. Andrew, take us out of here. DAABpodcast.com. Get your apparel, poweronperformance.com. We are the AA Balls Podcast, and we are out. This has been the AA Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit www.poweronperformance.com to get your apparel and start training like the pros today. My ambition to win, just to get me some ends. Help me pay my little rent, maybe sit in the bins. I saw mama praying as she wait on results. It was hot in the kitchen, can I wait on the porch? My father was missing, oh Lord, Oliver North.